Welcome to American Players Theatre Talkbacks to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk to the Touchstone Theatre with Orin Schroeder and me as Orange talks with director Kira Fromm and actors Kelsey Brennan and Nate Berger about American Players Theatre's 2019 production of A Doll's House by Henrik Ibsen. We're talking today about A Doll's House by Norwegian author Henrik Ibsen, and this is uh, being produced at APT in a version by Simon Stevens. And uh, I'm very pleased to have with me three guests today, our director, Kira Fromm, Nate Berger, who's playing Torvald Helmer, and Kelsey Brennan, who's playing Nora Helmer, his wife. I wanted to start by talking to you, Kira, about the fact that this is your uh, directorial debut at APT, although you were here for uh, directing Winter Words last uh, February. So uh, what excites you about having A Doll's House as your first play here? Oh, gosh. Um, well, thanks for having us. Um, um, there's a lot, really. I mean, A Doll's House is about, it's about a lot of things. It's about the unraveling of a marriage. It is about... Um, sort of a, a pretty biting critique of the paternalistic uh, patriarchal roles that men and women played in the 19th century in their marriages. But it's also, um, and primarily a lot of people think, the story of a woman trying to find herself. And in that regard, it's really sort of a feminist battle cry. And I really gravitate in my work toward plays that involve really strong female narratives and this certainly checks that box <laughs> and apart from all of those things Kelsey and Nate and I have known each other for a, a good number of years now like about almost 10, 10 or 11 yeah, yeah. 10, 10 or so so it's super satisfying to work on a play like this with the two of them and to get in a room together and Ibsen, I think this is this is APT's first Ibsen, right? Or we first did the in twenty builder, years? But yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah. it is twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, um, I think, it checks a lot of boxes for APT too. It's it's full of poetic language. It's full of heightened language, and in that regard, it really requires the rigor that um, those who come to APT really possess and really thrive in. APT, of course, has done many of the great classical authors over time, and Ibsen has a special role as the uh, father of modern realism in theater, I think. He wrote this play in 1879, and that wasn't really the norm at the time, was it? Yeah, no, not at all. Really, this was sort of um, in the advent of what sort of theater historians would call like um, a verisimilitude, which is a very fancy sort of theater history term for um, representing truth. A lot of theater prior to this time was really sort of full of arch villains and damsels in distress and patterns that were really expected for an audience to encounter and feel comfortable around. But Ibsen really had a point of view and a social commentary and wanted to... Um, talk about important issues through theater, which just really wasn't done a lot prior to this time. And the key action, of course, is around the relationship between uh, Torvald and Nora. Um, what do you want to say about your characters and, and their journey? You want to go first? It is my play. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want to go first. It's such, I mean, it's such a... Um, 
You know, I, I think a lot of times I get questions about um, Nora being a uh, disgruntled housewife, and I don't actually think that's true. I think that this is the story of a woman who thinks she is very happy and thinks that she has succeeded in ways that other women don't even can't even begin to know how to succeed in um, the way that she has saved her husband and her household mm-hmm. and this very valiant effort that she's made at being a, a picture-perfect wife, uh, because that is the only goal that she's been given as a human being. Um, and I don't actually think the dissolution of this marriage, uh, it's a slow burn, you know, and as a storyteller, I never want the audience to get ahead of what's happening. Even if you know this play, I'd love if you believed it was going to end differently than, you know, it does. So I think, um, there was a long journey uh, that brings her to kind of a ultimate realization that what she thought she had is not what she has. And she must kind of rewrite her own moral code and her own um, sense of what success and, and personhood looks like. So it's a deeply, deeply um, profound journey and one that I'm just scratching the surface of mm-hmm. as an actor. Good luck to me. <laughs> we, we are early in the rehearsal process, I yes. should mention. Yeah. Nate, how about Torvald? Uh, you know, I think that he's he's a fella who did everything right. He's done everything in the right order. He's taken all the right steps. And, you know, I mean, 98% of your life is expectations. And he goes into his life with a lot of expectations. And he has a lot of expectations about how his relationship with his wife should work uh, and how his relationship to his work should work. And I think a lot of them are upended. And it's funny because I was talking about, I was talking about it, uh, I think with Brenda, but I was like, oh yeah, his play kind of starts after the play is over. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, which is good impetus to come see Doll's House too. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he sort of, he walks through the play with Nora and walks through this marriage with her uh, in charge of the conversation a lot of the time. And I think when the, when the script gets flipped eventually, that's when his turmoil begins. And that doesn't happen until the end of the play. Um, so it's an interesting journey. Nate just mentioned A Dollhouse Part 2, which is a recent play written by uh, an American playwright that APT is producing this fall. And uh, so hopefully everyone will also come see that because it takes on the question of what might have happened after the ending of A Doll's House. Mm -hmm. And unlike other APT plays that are done somewhat in tandem, it will not feature the two of you in the roles of Nora and Torvald. So um, there'll be a different interpretation. Right. Mm-hmm. This is years later, so we're much too young. <laughs> far, far, far too, too young. young to play those roles. I'm replaced by Jimmy DeVita, so step down. Sorry, everybody. It's, uh... <laughs> but I think I, I'm really excited about doing these two plays Just in kidding. tandem. Just kidding, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think essentially a great play is a really well-written argument. And what's fascinating to me is um, when I read Doll's House Part 2, I've never seen it. Um, I don't know who I believe in more. Mm-hmm. And when I read Doll's House as a woman and as a feminist, I, I think I understand the story in my bones. And when I see it, it I guess Doll's House Part 2 is is still Nora's story, but but it's a lot of 
like you were saying, Nate, it's it's what happened to Torvald afterwards as well. And it's a really well-balanced argument. Oh, yeah. To the point where, you know, if you think you have a um, opinion about marriage and, and, and um, divorce, ultimately, it will ask you to question what you think you know, which is, gosh, a beautiful experience in the theater, I think. And this version is being credited as being adapted by uh, Simon Stevens, an award-winning playwright who um, is best known, I think, in the U.S. for the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Um, what what has he done on the play beyond um, working in the translation of the text from Norwegian to English? Gosh, well, you know, all of many of the translations are so different from one another in regards to how the text is broken up. You know, if it's one long chunk, that's sort of a little monologue, or if there's smaller, concise little tidbits. And he gave this great interview about how he came to translating and how it's become a really like fruitful artistic endeavor for him because he felt sort of like a director or like an actor. It was his opportunity to have a point of view about why a certain moment was written or why it was being laid out in the way it was laid out. So I think you get his point of view in the fashion of uh, stage directions in this play, which we found really fascinating. And stage directions typically are um, something that I think as a creative team, we are willing to sort of, um, that are malleable, that can sort of um, bend to fit the narrative that is most exciting to us. But I find he's been really smart in the stage directions he has provided us. And there's almost sort of three or six little mini plays of stage directions where he's really carving out uh, an image that he's interested in. And I think for the most part, we've been really interested in as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think also, I mean, he uh, he does a really good job. A lot of translations and especially translations of Chekhov and Ibsen get a little stilted in the way that people speak because it's a lot of literal translation and people kind of pop into poetry in unexpected and unprompted ways. And I think he's really good about folding the poetry in gently. So it is this thing where people, it sounds like people talk, how people talk and it's really easy to get your mouth around as an actor. It's really uh, just facile and I don't know, it's really smart. Especially the final scene of the play, which is kind of a play in and of itself. Um, And I, you know, I don't want to spoil it. I guess people will be listening to this maybe after they've seen the play, but um, that final play feels like um, it exists in a different world. And of all the different translations we were reading as a, as a company before we chose this one, this was the one that felt like, I don't know, I saw myself in it the most. It is still um, heightened language, but as Nate was saying, it's accessible in a way that is really um, conducive to an actor. And Ibsen is really great in general at not um, inserting a whole lot of uh, unnecessary um, fluff, for lack of a better word. And everything, there's nothing extraneous. Everything is in there for a purpose. And I would say Simon Stevens has, has increased that as well. He's just really gets to the point in really like spiky, clever, somber ways. And this production features some uh, 
original choreography and music. Uh, Jessica Bess-Linnaeus does the choreography for the Tarantella. Can you talk about Nora's dance and what role that plays? Oh, boy. Well, um, I feel like the dance is a kind of exorcism. I mean, it exists in the play... uh, (laughs) in a moment of deep dread and anxiety. And um, there is something brewing inside of Nora. And traditionally, the Sharantella was kind of the seductive, uh, whimsical fury of, of a dance. And I, and I have no doubt it will be exactly that. Um, but it is this beautiful way of showing the audience what is inside Nora when she can't express it. She has no one to express it to. And then this dance happens and uh, it reveals a whole other side of what's happening internally, I think. And is there always original music in a production of of Ibsen? No, not always. But um, Misha, Mikhail Fixel, who's doing our sound, is really a genius at creating worlds. And we've been talking about finding ways to both honor the period, the 1879-ness of the play, while bridging it to um, a feeling of now, because we're always watching through a lens of what we're experiencing in the world now, and it's a really potent play in that regard, too. So he's really creating, hoping to create a sonic world that feels both of the past and the present. And the uh, the set design uh, will also be creating a doll's house, which um, Ibsen says was comfortable and tasteful, but not extravagant. So what will that world look like? <laughs> um, well, Andrew Boyce has really created a fun um, environment for us. Um, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it yet, but I think not unlike the sound design goals, the feeling was... The feeling we hoped to achieve was, yes, it's rooted in this, you know, 1879 Norwegian port city, but it's also um, happening inside Nora's mind. There is some moments of um, expressivity and theatricality, and we wanted to allow both for the realism and for a way to really sort of force it into the audience's consciousness in terms of what we experience today. And that's happening across all design fields is the hope. Mm -hmm. It it sounds really amazing. Thank you all for coming today and for your work on this production that promises to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you. American Players Theatre Talk Backs to Go is a co-production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talk Backs to Go. Our theme song is called Play in the Woods and is written and performed by myself, Ben Ferris, Tyler Willenbrink, Noah Gilfillan, Elliot Gilfillan, Grant Blaschka, and Susan Hofer. With Orange Schroeder, I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening. A co-production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts.